evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of Monarch Astrology and Magic of the Spheres podcast. I am currently live on Instagram as well, and I'm going to be talking to you about the alignment that's happening or exacting tomorrow, August 20th, of Ceres and Libra, the dwarf planet opposite Chiron retrograde in Aries. And I don't often forecast on transits that are between two asteroids or dwarf planets or whatnot, but this particular transit caught my eye this morning because it reflected the experience that I had waking up this morning. So to outline that and this very mundane example, we'll just kind of define these two planets for a moment here before I get into that. Chiron relates to wounds or pain points or initiations, heroes' journeys. It's the um, difficult or painful experience that opens us to something beyond. And Aries, you know, is a sign, it's a fire sign that relates to action. It's ruled by Mars. And one of the very common kind of associations with Aries could be something like fitness or working out at a deeper level. It's about courage or the hero's journey. Um, But my example this morning had to do with working out. And then Ceres relates to the myths of Demeter, Persephone, and Hades and nourishment. So really basic experience I had this morning was that I woke up and I felt so beat um, from, you know, I've just started to do this like personal training, weight training path. And my relationship with working out in fitness has been really important for me as an Aries son. And um, recently, I decided it was time to work with a trainer again. So I'm having this amazing experience of feeling online and activated and alive in new uh, muscles or like in my upper body in ways that I'm not used to. And it's really been getting me to think about Aries and Libra because as I'm going into the Aries experience of you know, activating that Martian fitness area of life, the Libra is constellating in terms of uh, a rebalance or a recalibration. So when I woke up this morning and I was feeling that kind of beat, I felt like, okay, maybe I need to research or figure out a better way to nourish myself because I clearly, you know, need, my body needs something that I'm not giving it or giving myself. So I was thinking about this kind of Aries-Libra dynamic and thinking about nourishment. And then I sit down at my computer. I want to figure out what I'm going to write about because I'm you know, ready to channel something about astrology. And I noticed the series in Libra opposite Chiron retrograde in Aries. And that I'd literally been having that experience of like pain from workout, not terrible, you know, like it's normal to be sore or whatever, but feeling like, okay, I need nourishment. I need a better like post-workout plan. So then I was thinking about nourishment and series. So it was right there, very simple. But then as I started writing about it, because Ceres and Chiron 
and Aries and Libra open a lot deeper topics than that simple example, um, a lot came through. So what I want to share, um, perhaps to start out with, is this idea of nourishment through the series archetype and how that's going to weave in with the Chiron experience that is currently opening with this opposition. But nourishment, when we look at it through the lens of series, is beyond survival. It's beyond the simplicity of like what we need. And it's the emotional connection that we have to life, the way that we feel loved by life, right? Series is about this myth of Demeter, Persephone, and Hades. That's the background I have on the YouTube video. And we have this beginning of the myth with Demeter, the mother, and Persephone, her daughter, in this kind of idyllic, close, magical relationship that is marked by innocence, right? It's just like a perpetual spring and summer playing in the flower fields, very close relationship. And then one day, Persephone is um, playing in the fields and she catches um, a whiff of this Narcissus flower. Maybe she sees it and it looks really beautiful. And she goes in to smell it and hell literally opens up beneath her and she is um, taken into the underworld by Hades. And there's different interpretations of this myth, right? Like the idea of abduction or the idea of Persephone, you know, kicking and screaming on her way down versus this um, kind of soul contract or natural relationship or destiny that Persephone has with Hades and with the underworld. Part of this myth is reflecting that life naturally takes us under um, at the very end in terms of you know the body at death decomposing and returning to the earth but then there's these moments throughout life where we are pulled under and into the earth right and sometimes it can happen right in the middle of those seasons where everything feels perfect and idyllic right and so it feels very sudden that the ground shifts beneath us and we're taken under but the myth kind of speaks to the way that that constellates. It's this relationship between innocence versus initiation. And in the myth, um, as Persephone is having this awakening experience where she's getting to know the dark, she's getting to know herself as queen of the underworld, she's learning how to see without her eyes, like she's learning how to feel and sense. Her mother, Demeter, is scouring the earth going insane with grief and rage and she's doing everything she can to find her daughter get her daughter back and she withholds her fertility from the earth so this kind of perpetual idyllic springtime summer environment becomes you know we get seasons but it turns into winter there's a freeze at this point in the myth and then um, she eventually strikes a negotiation with the gods to get persephone back half of the year and so then Persephone splits her time between the above and the below world. So this myth speaks to our relationship with grief and with our relationship with going down into the underworld and our reascent process, right? And how much we allow the down and allow ourselves to be nourished by it versus where we um, are resistant to it or where we are in this kind of desperate freeze trying to get something back that we had in the past. So series can relate to this process of how we fight grief versus how we relate to or experience grief. And when people have had their 
you know, really gone through the initiations with um, Persephone, it's about knowing themselves and finding their power in the darkness. When people have gone through their series or their Demeter initiations, it's about knowing that you can experience seasons, that you can experience the fruit of summer and spring and that kind of um, magical time period versus when you're um, in the down or things are slower or you're in grief. And not being in this fear that it'll never be better again or that you know you have to recreate something as opposed to just being open to the regeneration and the cyclical nature of life and opening to seasons as they come. So if we look at that in relationship to nourishment, um, one way that that can show up very simply is say like with food. Often natally people with strong series have had some kind of deeper challenge with food. Sometimes it's really present in terms of eating disorders. There's like a strong series thing in the natal chart. Um, but if we look at food as an example, something that can come through um, in the experience of food is that it's the not just like the physical experience of survival, it's the emotional connection to um, where the food came from or the people that we're eating it with or just how we generally feel in life. And yet it's a constant, we eat to live. Um, and it doesn't always necessarily have that magic to it. So for me, I think about it personally in terms of like, you know, ideally I love being around, you know, people I love, eating amazing food, having great conversation. And that would be like the high dream of a nourishment experience as it relates to food. But sometimes it's just like a daily, like I'm just eating this is just kind of basic kind of thing. Um, nourishment also relates to our relationship with things like fun or with um, like leisure, right? Fun and leisure, being around people. Um, it could relate to pleasure. It could relate to sexuality. It's any place that we relate to really receiving life and going through these seasons of you know, am I in that springtime or summertime or are things a little bit slower, drier, um, not as magical feeling, right? And how, um, how simple that can be, how much approval we can have inside of that versus where it's really excruciating or painful because we're wishing that we were somewhere else or wishing that life were different in a particular moment. But then how does this relate to Chiron and Aries? So I just kind of constellated the series in Libra part. Um, if we put it in Libra, I'm really going to focus on like relationships and social interactions, but we'll come back to that. Chiron and Aries, um, many ways that that could play out, right? It's either the kind of wound part or the initiation hero's journey part. So the woundedness of Chiron and Aries has something to do with feeling inherently rejectable or inherently unlovable. Right? These are places where we might isolate ourselves unnecessarily, where um, we have a part of our personality or a deeper part of us that we think is unlovable, um, places where, you know, there are legitimate spots on the hero's journey or on initiatory processes where we are pretty alone. Like maybe we've just awakened to something and everyone around us is still in a spot and we find ourselves like kind of alone in a process and that's fine but 
and often like part of the medicine when we learn how to do things totally by ourselves instead of relying on um, others to kind of give us permission that could be an activation of Chiron and Aries but there then are also places where we unnecessarily make ourselves be alone because we've gotten crusty or kind of like scabbed over in a particular spot and we're avoiding like vulnerability and connection in our interactions and so this can dress up in a variety of ways um, but it's the various ways that our ego is telling stories um, about you know me against the world or where we're hyper defensive against slights or insults and we're choosing to kind of remove ourselves from situations or sabotage situations in order to just be alone and to not really be receiving that reflection or dynamism from relationship, right? Or maybe like we're trying our best to be in connection, but this part keeps showing up to the connection and creating the very same problems or perpetuating the problems that reinforce the belief that we're better off alone or that this part of us is better off compartmentalized and unseen and it's too unlovable or dangerous, et cetera, to be in the social milieu. And then on the other hand, there's this side of Chiron and Aries about um, the adventure and the initiation about this intimacy that we have with ourselves and with our path, right? So if you're really playing the game of like your soul has landed into your body, right? And it's still landing, like we keep landing the soul in the body throughout our life, but you know that you're here as a soul, you're interested in your path, right? You're interested in the ways that you're getting impulses and instincts leading you in specific directions, maybe ones you don't fully understand, but you're getting that kind of knowing or that sense of it's time to try this new thing or it's time to develop myself in this place that I, I haven't stepped out before. And so there's a natural kind of, even if there's fear or a sense of insecurity, there's also a natural excitement that I'm going somewhere, I'm at the start of a journey, I'm developing something, um, I'm willing to to try things out and make mistakes and fail and learn from it and try again. Like there's a um, really like a willingness to be the fool, to be the initiate, to be the one who's beginning something. And then this is going to take us to certain places along the path that are very difficult, right? Like it it's going to challenge us. It maybe will take us to spots where historically or karmically we've avoided taking action or we've avoided being intimate with that part because we associate it with a lot of pain or it would require us to open up to something inside of ourselves that we're deeply terrified of. So, you know, there's like this kind of plucky, innocent courage of Aries at the beginning of like, yeah, let's do this. And then you get a little bit farther and like those spots come up of like, oh, this is actually terrifying or like this is really stretching me. Um, and life will find a very unique and personal way to do that. It's always so personal. So however this is showing up personally or individually, if we have this opposition between Ceres and Libra representing nourishment inside of social connections or being in relationship, and then Chiron and Aries, which is this kind of either pain point around why I'm rejectable and unlovable, what about me is dangerous or humiliating, or like this kind of sense of, you know, I'm on the path, I'm, I'm becoming, I'm excited to exist, like I'm engaging in the process of being a human, uh, whatever it is on that spectrum, then how it relates to relationship. 
So a few things I thought um, along those lines. One is that um, the more nourishing the relationships in our lives are, the more material, like it's safe or fertile for that material to come up or for us to go down into that material. Um, I suppose it would also be true that if we're involved in like toxic or unhealthy connections, that it, it's bringing up our karmic material and we're doing it through rubbing up on those pain points by directly agitating them through you know, misaligned relationships or playing out toxic patterns in relationships. So that happens. But if you're in like a um, healthy, safe, secure, like loving relationship, those also do become places where material comes up through life circumstances or maybe challenging life circumstances come up and then there's the activation inside of that. Um, but essentially that there's something going on between the fertility or the field of the relationship and then what kind of things get to get worked out inside of them. And I'll speak more to that also. Um, there's a way also that being really intimate with our own path, you know, with our own um, what is trying to emerge inside of me, like who is my soul trying to become through the avatar of this incarnation and like actually being very devoted and dedicated to that path, that it's going to um, call in maybe a certain yearning to be met at that level, but it also calls in our capacity to be met at that level um, or our kind of discernment to make choices um, to be in relationships that are connected to that. And this is as opposed to being really off the path of self, like not being in touch with oneself and then being in all of these kind of frivolous, um, not connected superficial like connections, which may add entertainment, which may take up space, but it doesn't actually feel like a good meal if we're gonna bring in the nourishment thread. There might be a deeper hunger or longing at the moment to feel um, connection in places that we feel neglect, either in terms of ourself or in terms of how connected we are to community, to others, to friends, etc. And then there might also be a quality of fighting for the things that really matter. Um, and if there's not like a deep sense of love on the Libra side, just to be a little bit simple and reductionist here, or a deep sense of purpose on the Aries side, the feeling of being adrift or aimless. And this isn't to say we should invent a cause just to have something to do or like just to have something, you know, to hold on to because that won't necessarily feel true. But I think it is actually about that descent process like into self or into the material of being in relationship to life where we actually do know like what are the, the things that really are asking for our deeper dedication. And another thing that this um, transit really got me to think about was I've been trying to piece together um, a way to word something that I've been realizing along the path of working with embodiment and how this translates to relationships. Um, but inside of embodiment or incarnating, um, when we're living at a conceptual, intellectual, or mental level, when we're kind of hovering above things, 
that can serve to avoid deeper feelings, uh, deeper pain, right? It's the kind of, um, and I'm, I'm full spectrum, I would say. Like, I love to go up into the Akashic Records. I love to explore the higher realms and also explore, you know, descending into form, into embodiment and the mixing of the two. I've had really amazing experiences, like going into um, like grief processes or feeling really um, like moving through difficult things with the Akashic records and like bringing in that cosmic energy to guide me into those spots. Um, so I'm not, you know, arguing for the upper realms or the lower realms and separating them. It's important to have both. But sometimes people really like the upper realms um, and they use them or they try to hover in them to not go down, to not descend. Essentially, they're playing out that Persephone or series pattern of that part where life is kind of taking you into the underworld or patterns are taking you into the underworld for whatever reason. And you're like, no, I don't want to go there. I'm trying to stay up here. And where it is that... Um, we, you know, maybe are trying to stay up because we have this idea that that's where all the great things are. You know, it's like, I want to be happy. I want to be inspired. I want to be excited. Um, I want to feel pleasure. And I imagine all that stuff is up there. But then when we don't actually go to the soil or the below layers, we end up not having those richer, deeper notes, right? And the cost or the kind of entry cost of going deeper into embodiment, deeper into feeling, deeper into presence, is being present with everything that's there, including um, pain from the past that's stored in the body, um, or deeper sensations, pains, etc., that we can successfully avoid up here. So I have experience with this in terms of um, there were times where I was going through grief processes where I really just wanted to get to the, the like beautiful land again, you know, the idyllic summertime space. And after not being able to fully penetrate the grief all the way and feeling like I was just lasting forever and I don't know how to get out of it, feeling like, well, I could just do productive things or do things to be happy or cultivate my happiness and that'll, you know, that'll take care of it. What it ended up doing was actually just giving me the energy or the resource to go back when the time was right and when I was ready for it or had the capacity to actually go back into that material, feel the depth of that grief or pain all the way, and then make my way to the other side. So this is a kind of energetic in terms of, um, oh, and what I'll say about that too is that Part of what got me to actually go into the grief all the way was just realizing like I haven't gotten to the place that I'm seeking through these methods. Let me turn my attention to the thing that I've been avoiding. And there's a lot of there's a lot of alchemy in that. Similarly, so I had this um, realization come into place of relationships and intimacy have a similar energetic where they create the fertile ground for a deeper material, deeper evolution to come through. And if there's a sense of idealism or that kind of spring summertime um, of relationship, so bring, you know, series and Libra, maybe it's like the all the kind of like 
frosting on top of the cake, like what it is that, you know, it looks sexy or it's fun or we do these fun things together or, um, you know, whatever, all the like positive, happy things um, versus like what are the deeper um, attachment stories or wounds or like personal karmic material um, or things that actually come in through relationship. And what I was able to see um, and realize that was really powerful for me that I'll share is like sometimes in the past I had this idea that my most idyllic connections, it was like really being in that part of the Demeter story where everything's perfect and nothing bad has happened yet. And feeling like when, you know, inside of say like the Scorpio archetype is where we have these like really deep bonds and inside of the deepest bonds there's also a potential for betrayal or what we perceive as betrayal like whether it is or isn't um and it's the depth of trust that was there that even made way for betrayal to be possible and this is one of the you know i connected back to chiron and aries where what keeps us from want not wanting to be in connection or wanting to be alone is the fear that we'll get our hearts broken or that it will hurt or that there's pain inside of relationships. And inside of the deepest conflicts I've had with people where I didn't expect it, where I was inside of this idyllic, like, this is really good, we're always going to be on the same page, Um, there's trust here, this is great, the deeper conflicts actually had really profound medicine in them because it was the depth of the connection the trust that was built up that even made the space for those deeper spots to be touched. And at first, it felt like something had gone horribly wrong. Like, it's not supposed to be that way. This was supposed to be spring and summertime forever. Um, Why does it hurt? Why is it showing me this pain point inside of myself that existed before I even met the person? And now, you know, as much as I had the way of like, whatever protections against it, Um, or layers guarding it, now life has found a way to touch that exact pain point, Chiron and Aries, and it feels like such an insult, like this shouldn't have happened. And something cleared for me about realizing, like, of course it happens. Like, that's what um, life does. When life force energy flows to a spot that is under-resourced or hasn't seen the light of day for a long time or um, needs life, essentially, it will hurt often. You know, it's like if you're getting a um, like a, a wound stitched up or something, or I don't know, even stitched, but just like cleaned up with alcohol or something, and it immediately burns. And so Ceres and Libra, opposite Chiron, retrograde, Chiron and Aries, I think is maybe pointing us to places where... Um, just because pain can come up in the pursuit of relationship or inside of relationship, wherever we are in the journey of that, like um, being connected to others, being connected to ourselves, being in relationship with life, etc. Whether we're navigating disconnection and we're seeking greater connection, whether we are inside of really beautiful connections and inside of the deep vulnerability of that, that it can still point us to these extremely tricky pain points or spots 
that are part of the journey, part of the awakening of being human, in that to be human, we've descended into these bodies, we've descended into form, we've become woundable, we have physical sensations, we experience pain and temperature and uh, the capacity for heartbreak and betrayal and all of these things. Um, and so some dynamic at the moment of really recalibrating our sense of um, relationship with our willingness to be in connection with that which has been neglected, um, our willingness to play the game of life or play the game of incarnation, and also perhaps some recalibration around what's truly nourishing versus what's causing pain unnecessarily. Um, because, you know, like there's different, if pain is part of embodiment, it's not like all equal. Like going on the path of just activating your wounds and living in this like toxic way, you can still have realizations and like see all these things very clearly because you're playing with that material directly but is it the highest path, right? Um, so part of what um, Libra is about, it's the intellectual art of love, right? It's understanding um, how connection works or kind of like the ethos around love. Whereas the Aries side, Chiron and Aries might connect us more to like our animal. And so there's a balance there as well where it's not just about behaving in the right way or being ethical, but you have this like simmering animal underneath that's unexpressed, right? There may be a way that um, there's some negotiation between the truth of your animal body and your instincts and your impulses with the civility that Libra represents and whether that's playing out in your internal landscape or how you're relating to others. Um, and... Let me see if there's anything else that I wanna say before I close this out. I recently had like a meaningful experience of conflict resolution where um, the conflict resolution was matched with a spot that felt like the deepest type of pain, right? And not necessarily attached to the people involved, but it's like the situation touched on that. And inside of actually learning how to be in relationship with that spot and then in relationship with um, the relationships as opposed to just splitting off from them, um, this deeper kind of transcendent quality between the Libra Aries axis came to me um, just as like a direct experience and it's something that I've been intellectually also circling around or I've had different moments of it landing. Um, but it brings me back to one of my favorite definitions of love by the psychotherapist John Wellwood, which is um, he defines love as sacred combat with a worthy opponent. And I felt like that just holds the Libra Aries axis in it so well. But I think what's beautiful about the potential of like really being, being willing to go deep and going into the underworld and experiencing regeneration with the series in Libra and being connected to ourselves so deeply, even in the spots where we so want to be defended from life with Chiron and Aries, is that when we have love and reconciliation for those deepest points, 
it changes the game of life entirely. It softens things. It's not, um, it's not about running or fighting or avoiding. It's just relationship and just connection. Right? It's not avoiding the conflict and smoothing things over from an inauthentic place. It's also not like adding fire and drama to things just to sabotage and avoid vulnerability. It's like, what is the actual balance, Libra and right relationship with conflict or with fire, Aries? Um, and where does that radically open the heart? So that is my series in Libra opposite Chiron and Aries sermon. Um, I will close out here just to um, tell you a few of my offerings that I have right now. One is that I'm teaching a course called Emergence happening mid-September, and this is going to be all about the Aries Libra nodes, which this Chiron series opposition is actually touching the nodes quite closely. Um, but we have the North Node in Aries, South Node in Libra, this is an 18-month time period that we just entered, and it's going to be flavoring the um, upcoming eclipse seasons that we have. And so in this 18-month time period, every time the eclipse happens, something very dynamic, something from the soul, something dramatic sometimes really comes up along these themes of self and um you know, asserting our right to exist and who we are versus our relationship with collaboration and with dance and with the relationship with life. And um, I'm creating this course to um, create a space for the participants to really get a very personal sense of how the nodes and Aries and Libra are falling in your chart, um, what houses they're in, what planets they're touching. And so what themes are really going to get activated and kicked up around the eclipses and so that when you have this awareness and that lucidity it's going to create opportunity for very spiritually opening experiences for wisdom for deeper connection to your life as these things transpire um, it's been one of my favorite parts of being an astrologer and having an astrology practice is getting to see the transits unfold in real time and to have this um that knowledge not being something that keeps me above life and out of it, but that knowledge actually being this um, thing that really fertilizes my descent and connection into the material, that connection between the wisdom or the sight of the upper chakras and also the deep embodied lived experience um, of being on the ground with it. So it'll be a class. There'll be a, um, there's three meetings, a um, dedicated private container. And so I will, you know, be there to talk to each of you individually, like in that container to give you feedback. We'll be looking at your charts. Um, I am really inviting you to get a sense, like a deep sense of this 18 month time period and what in your chart it is touching and awakening. And then um, I'm offering the evolutionary astrology intensive once more, but this time it has evolved into a year long container called Diviner. So the four-month intensive is inside of Diviner, but then year-round, there's going to be new classes, live classes um, around a variety of topics, deepening and expanding what we learned in the intensive. The overall purpose of Diviner is to become like fluent, 
deeply fluent and literate in astrology in a way that is emotionally connected to your experience, right? That it's not just the academic or intellectual knowledge, but that it's deeply applied and felt and in your own personal connection to the archetypes and to the planets, your originality with astrology, your own astrological sight opens up. Um, Diviner is also in the spirit of an open crown chakra and feeling like the cosmos is moving through you and that when you speak to the universe, when you speak to God, when you speak to the planets, you feel like you're having a direct conversation um, that you can feel the intimacy of the practice um, inside of your own body. So for diviner, um, for emergence, there's going to be a link in the notes um, in my bio on Instagram or in the notes on YouTube um, or on the podcast um, to sign up for emergence. For diviner, simply email me, sabrina at monarchastrology.com to start a conversation about that. Um, directly contacting me is the way to get started for diviner. And then I also have my books open for astrology readings, the evolutionary fusion readings, as well as a special um, crisis alchemy readings, which are uh, granular focus sessions based on a specific impasse or issue that you're working with. Um, and I did that just from this kind of Jupiter and Virgo part of me that's like ready to do some astrological problem solving um, because that is... You know, I like to focus on like the deep magic and animism and expansion and like world opening of astrology. And whenever we're having some kind of issue, impasse, crisis, etc., you can always find it in the chart. You can always find where it's playing out. And those very same placements um, have, you know, their pressure release valves or they have their higher octaves or their other opportunities. And so working with the archetypes that are present inside of those issues and playing with them in a different way, this is a type of site that I have astrologically that's very practical. Um, and so I wanted to offer that for this special. So I'll leave the link to those two readings in the notes as well. Um, I actually have to add that to my Instagram bio. So um, I will do that in the next few minutes. Um, but thank you so much for watching. I forgot to say at the beginning to please like this video and leave a comment. Let me know what resonates with you and what your takeaways were. And you can subscribe to my channel as well. Hit the notification bell to know when new videos come out. You can also sign up for my mailing list linked in the notes, which is a great way to stay in touch with me. Thank you so much for watching. Please let me know your takeaways and thoughts, and I'll be back again soon.